This Advent and Christmas tide, we're preaching this sermon series called Certain Semi-Sacred Symbols of the Season. I want to talk about snow today. It might surprise you that snow is mentioned a couple of times in the Bible, not very often, including this beautiful passage from the book of Job. This passage happens in chapter 38, almost at the end of the book of Job. And so what's happening is that Job has spent essentially 37 chapters whining to God about God's shoddy management of the universe. And by chapter 38, God's had it up to here with Job's whining. And Job, uh, God tells Job off. And uh, one of the exhibits in God's defense strategy is his creation, God's creation of snow and ice. So God speaks to Job in chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. Who shut in the sea with doors and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you entered into the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Who has cut a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth and who has given birth to the hoarfrost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me, please. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The connection between snow and Christmas is inescapable. A selective catalog of snow carols would include Let It Snow, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, Jingle Bells, Winter Wonderland, The Most Wonderful Time of Year in the Bleak Midwinter, Night of Silence, All I Want for Christmas, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Sleigh Ride, and the granddaddy of them all, White Christmas, from the film Holiday Inn, which is set in Connecticut, but filmed, in fact, in Los Angeles under the palm trees and in Sonoma among the grapevines. It's the greatest selling single of all time. Bing Crosby sold 50 million copies by himself, and then cover artists sold another 50 million copies. So, Even Santa Claus, with his impressive fur coat and his monster black boots and his North Pole headquarters, derives from St. Nicholas, a malnourished monk from arid Turkey. How did all this happen? Right now it's 49 degrees in Bethlehem. It will drop to a low of 44 later today, which is about average. It rarely gets below freezing in Bethlehem. It snows once in a while, but not very often. Could have been the case that in December 2,000 years ago, shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night, but that rarely happened as well. 
Shepherds commonly pastured their sheep in the fields in warmer months like April. So biblical scholars think that Jesus might have been born then, in April or maybe October. The Bible tells us where Jesus was born, but not when. So how did this happen, this connection between snow and Christmas? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. It's because the winners get to write the story we tell about ourselves. And in this case, the winners were the Europeans, the Scandinavians and the Dutch especially. You see, in the 4th century, when the church finally got around to celebrating the birth of Jesus, Emperor Constantine, not knowing when in the year Jesus was born, attached the celebration of his birth to an existing pagan festival called Saturnalia which was devised to recall the Roman god Saturn, goddess of fertility and agriculture, out of exile and back to earth where he belonged. Saturnalia was celebrated right around the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. And so it was held then to coax Saturn back to earth. It was the most genius marketing strategy in the history of marketing strategies. Today, Christmas is a trillion-dollar industry, well over a trillion-dollar industry. So, as a semi-sacred symbol of the season, snow is a late and foreign interloper into the biblical story of the birth of our Lord. But it works, doesn't it? It's very apt as a symbol for God's love, God's gift of Jesus, because at once, snow is a symbol of both creation's reliable orderliness, almost creation's monotony on the one hand, and also at the same time of creation's astonishing diversity, God's lust for variety. The snowflake is a symbol for creation's reliability because every single snowflake that's ever fallen to earth has exactly six sides. It's always a hexagon. And I never really thought about this till this week, but that's just because of water's familiar and shapely chemistry, right? There's nothing more routine to chemistry than H2O. These three atoms form a lattice-like hexagon when they freeze and crystallize around a speck of pollen and dust. Always six-side, creation's reliability, almost creation's monotony, but also of creation's diversity and variety. God gets bored. God loves variety. God might have ADHD because God can't even make two similar snowflakes. No two snowflakes are identical, they say. Well, you might be right, but you can't prove it. Since the beginning, one undecillion snowflakes have fallen to the earth. That's a word I never heard till yesterday. Undecillion. An undecillion is a one followed by 36 zeros. So the hypothesis no two snowflakes are identical is not provable by experiment and observation. Still, the point is nobody's ever found two that look alike, so it's possible that there are one undecillion ways to be a snowflake. For God to express God's astonishing creativity. So creation's orderliness, also creation's variety, this unexpectedness of creation. But maybe more important at Christmastide, snow is a symbol of God's unmerited grace because it is always a symbol of innocence and purity, right? Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Snow White is the paragon, the archetype of feminine virtue. A white sheath drapes the dormant earth like a wedding dress. And the landscape of scattered leaves and broken twigs and rutted earth is bedecked with God's beauty, covered up with God's lavish plenitude. It's tranquil in a snowstorm. It's peaceful. You can think there. You can dream. Snow is mostly empty air, so it silences the noise. Now, there's a limit to the tranquility of a snowstorm. Remember Snowmageddon from 2011? 21 inches of snow. That wasn't very tranquil. Snowmageddon or snowpocalypse, I forget which it was. Can be exhausting. Winter can be exhausting for people who live in northern climes. What did the guy from Vermont say to the Pillsbury Doughboy? Hey, nice tan. Bruce Springsteen sold his entire song catalog to Sony this week for a half a billion bucks. Was it worth it? Pop survey. What's the greatest rock song ever written? Stairway to Heaven or Born to Run? I think of Bruce Springsteen as a national treasure. I think of him as sort of our unofficial poet laureate, maybe along with Dylan and Simon. An unofficial poet laureate, quintessential America, right? With all our triumphs and tribulations. Bruce Springsteen, of course, was born and raised and still lives in New Jersey. So Bruce Springsteen knows snow. In his memoir, he writes, A good snowstorm can set us free. No work, no school. The world shutting its big mouth for a moment. The dirty streets covered over in virgin white like all the missteps you've ever taken are erased by nature. You look out your door at a trackless world, your old path, your old history, momentarily covered over by a landscape of forgiveness where something new might happen. Love the way he talks about that. Your missteps covered over by a landscape of forgiveness where something new might happen. So if it's a white Christmas this year, or even if it's not, you see snow, think of that landscape of forgiveness. This Christmas tide, think of God's gift of Jesus, which is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means God is my salvation. Because we all need someone to love us no matter what. We all need someone to love us, not because of, but in spite of who we are. We're just human. We make mistakes. We unwittingly lash out to injure others, even and especially those we love the most. And so we do not deserve, but somehow must receive God's lasting, lavish, limitless love. And our missteps have to be covered over by a landscape of forgiveness where something new might happen. You've heard me talk many times from this pulpit about Father Gregory Boyle, the Roman Catholic priest from Los Angeles. Gregory Boyle serves in Dolores Parish in L.A., the, the Roman Catholic parish with the most gang activity of anywhere 
Years and years ago, Father Boyle started Homeboy Industries, a ministry for gang members. They call themselves the homies. Greg Boyle loves the homies, and the homies love Father Greg because he gives them a second chance. One day, a homegirl named Letty comes to Father Greg's office to ask for some help. And Father Boyle says, name any horrific or terrible thing that could happen to a human being, and it's happened to Letty. Prison, drug addiction, domestic violence, having her kids taken away. In fact, if you made a a list of the things that haven't happened to Letty, it would be a shorter list. I can't think of any. I would not have survived a day in Letty's childhood. And so Letty comes to Father Greg's office and she's sitting up close to his desk and she tells him what she needs and she says, I wish you were God. (laughs) And Father Boyle laughs. But he glances at Letty and notices she's not laughing, she's on the verge of tears. And Father Greg says, Letty, why do you wish I were God? And she says, because you might let me into heaven. And then Father Greg reaches across the desk to grasp her hand and he said, Letty, I swear to you, if I get to heaven and you're not there, I'm not staying. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron water like a stone snow had fallen snow on snow in the bleak midwinter long long ago and the entire earth was covered up by a landscape of forgiveness in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen